Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 43 of the Jetman with a Golden Gun, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Chojin Sentai Jetman. Every week we watch an episode of the show, we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Not bad, man. Things are pretty cool. Figuratively speaking, literally, they're actually very hot. Yes. Which isn't great, but whatever. So, Dave, we are here today to talk about episode 43 of Chojin Sentai Jetman. It's called Sneak Into the Commander's Body. But, Dave, before we get into that, we, we're we going to try to get through <laughs> our award-winning opening segment. I have Dave, faith in us. Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars... Do you want to know what our first star of the week is? I mean, I know, but let's maintain the fiction. Sure. Sure. What's, what is it, Matt? Uh, the first star of the week, Dave, is that this is the fourth episode of this show that we have recorded this week. Um, it's that, a lot. It's a lot. Listen, dude, I've had a blast. It's been a lot of fun doing all these episodes with you. I'm glad we got that bonus app out. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But, dude, like, the entire premise of the five stars is that we talk about things that have been going on in our life and the things that interest us in a, in a way to sort of warm up and also catch up with each other. But, dudes, we right. just, like, this is the fourth time we've done this this week. Um, I and... just, man. Okay, I mean, the bonus episode didn't have stars, but trying to knock out 15 stars in one week, I just don't do that much stuff. It's too many stars. Uh, so it's that, too many our, stars. Our first star is that there have been too many stars. Dave, do we have a second star? Uh, yeah, sure, man. So one of the reasons we're recording all of these episodes right now is that for the next two weeks, uh, starting starting in a week and a half, sorry. So like by the time that you hear this, this the thing I'm about to say will already be happening, I'm pretty sure... But there's going to be a two-week stretch where I'm just going to be at conferences. Like, I'm just, I'm not going to be home, and I'm going to be on a, and they're going to be on college campuses. Here's, here's the problem with that, Matt. What? I, okay, so college campuses are often, like, they're very nice to hang out in, right? Like, there's green spaces and quads, I sure, sure. guess. Uh, the only problem is, is that for both of these conferences, food is going to be provided by campus like culinary oh. services oh no dave yeah so so there's two problems first now this might not actually be a problem we'll see because the school that you and i uh, went to for our undergraduate degree had terrible food it was awful. terrible food like like demonstrably bad we did see now i okay i didn't see this with my own two eyes and i'm not gonna it has the smack of urban legend about it. So I don't know that I would attest to this firmly, but somebody was in the kitchen, like a student worker, and they saw a grade, like they saw a box of ground beef, and it wasn't like, it wasn't grade A or B. It was like, it was labeled, I want to say, grade C, still like fit for human consumption or something like that. And honestly, like I ate a lot of that ground beef during college. That's sort of a stretch. I buy it, dude. That was not good meat. So I'll admit that my experience, I ate a lot of sandwiches in college because you can usually trust like deli meat. So my perceptions might be being colored by that. But also I'm going to be 
idiot buffets, but three buffets a day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, man. That is that is dangerous. It's I don't do well in a target rich environment, man. Like there's just stuff I don't keep in my house. I don't keep ice cream in my house because I can't handle it. Like I just know that I'm 33 years old. I've learned that about myself that I just can't leave ice cream in my house because I'll walk by the freezer and I'll be like, you know what sounds good? Maybe like a bite of ice cream. And if I only did that once, it would be all right. But I don't. Like every time I walk by the freezer, it seems like a good I, good time for a bite of ice cream. And then I mean, I've you're eaten. You're not wrong. It is often a good time for a bite yeah, of ice no, cream. Yeah, no, I mean, it is. I could, it's freaking hot. I would like some ice cream. But that's not the point. Like I'm going to be in a buffet for three meals a day for two weeks. I can't. I can't handle that, well, man. Good, good luck to you, Dave. The, uh, so I also am going to be going on vacation, not as long as you, uh, although mine is actually going to be more of a real vacation. Wait, wait, stop, 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 Matt, Matt. What? Matt, what? What, what is our third star of the week? Oh, I was, I was just going to add this on to the second star. Yeah, no, uh, I'm stretching for stars here, dude. Okay. Roll with this. Uh, third star of the week, Dave, is I'm also going on vacation, uh, going up to Cape Cod for like a week, week and a half. Nice. Yeah, dude. Who do you... Listen, dude, we're very fancy gentlemen, uh, but we're not like Cape Cod fancy. So how are you getting up to Cape Cod again? A friend of mine from grad school let me know like, hey, I'm going up to Cape Cod for a week, week and a half, and I'm driving through Cleveland. Should I pick you up? I realize that I am now in a job that has uh, actual vacation days again. Rich parents? Does this person have rich parents? Is that the deal? Uh, Are you like a rich parent situation here? Dave, I know very little about this vacation that I'm about to take. I will let you know later. Yeah, hit me up. (laughs) Um, So yeah, going up there. And so again, this is why we are recording so, so many episodes this week. Uh, But it also means, and this is something that I... I'm a little embarrassed to admit that I'm looking forward to, Dave. I'm really looking forward to not recording this show for the next two weeks. I hear that. I hear that. Listen, man, even things that are like a delight to the mind and senses, can't you need to switch things up every once in a while. So this, uh, we are recording this on June 26th. And yeah. I, I think that it's going to be dropping on like July 5th. Does that sound mm-hmm. right? Man, dude, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, so that is how far in advance we are getting these out. Um, <laughs> yeah, looking forward to vacation. Haven't taken a real vacation in four actual years. Now, the only downside of this, Matt, is that you do not like lobster, right? I know and I don't listen, like it. Okay, I think that I don't like lobster, but I grew up in Cleveland. Maybe if I'm up in Cape Cod, I will realize that lobster is amazing. Listen, dude, I hope you do. A lot of it makes me sad that I don't like lobster because obviously, like a lot of people look at that animal and they say, "I want to eat it," and they clearly have a pleasant time doing them. And I want to get in on all those pleasant experiences, but that doesn't change the fact the lobster is a poop-eating ocean bug. Like they're bottom feeders, and it's a bug, and it lives in the ocean. And I'm not cool with that i don't want to eat that but i'm right there with you bro so maybe you can cultivate a taste for lobster between now and cape cod that would be you know in uh, two weeks so dave uh do you have a fourth star of the week hmm do i have a fourth star of the week i have continued to play the witcher 3 and i found out a couple of things that they did that were real real mean So Witcher 3 is like short on resources, right? Like you, the Witcher Geralt of Rivia, are running around and you're like doing stuff and you're trying to like buy equipment and all this blah, 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 right? Right. And it's not 
you can't like the game does not lend itself to being able to grind very easily. Okay, you can't like just go to a space and like kill a bunch of dudes and like get some money and come back and and do that stuff, right? However, there was one way, like at the very end of the last time I was playing it, that I figured out that there was one crafting component that you could make. It was like exploding crossbow bolts that actually sold for greater than the sum of their parts. Okay. Okay. Like if you found the recipe, like the thing to make them and you could get all the pieces, it was cheaper to make them than it was to sell them. So it was a way that you could consistently make money if you were willing to like make the merchanting rounds. Gotcha. And the dudes at CD Projekt Red, when they updated the game, they removed the ability to sell crossbow bolts. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can just imagine them looking at it and realizing they're like, this is what? No, Geralt of Rivia is not a merchant. He doesn't care. Like, take that away. And so you only the only way to make money now is through fulfilling Witcher contracts and like selling off the gear that you have. Although they did do something that I that there's this part of the Witcher games that I really dig. And I, I may have mentioned this before briefly, but I'll say it again, like super quick, is that it is part of the Witcher lore, like in the game, and everybody in the game world knows this, is that Witchers do not work for free. Like they're monster slayers. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned this when we were first talking about the Witcher 3 like a year ago. Okay, then I, I won't talk about it again, but I just get a really big kick out of it that they're like unionized. That's really fun for me. <laughs> So they did that, and then they also included like a new tier of special equipment that I actually did not know about. Like they didn't advertise it; they just kind of is in there that you can now get legendary gear, and it's sort of like a step up. So as you continue to go through the new game plus, that you are uh, you're continuing to get like more and more cool stuff, which is neat. So that's all I got for a fourth star. Is that thing I already talked about it continues to be real fun. Okay. And they, they stopped me from making any money, which is a real pain. Uh, how about you, man? Fifth star? Okay, fifth star of the week, Dave, is I took a walk this morning. I uh, walked up to Edgewater Park up near Lake Erie, and I found there something that when I first saw it, I thought was a temporary structure, and now right. I realize is a permanent installation. Uh, uh, right? Which is what? that up by Edgewater Park... Um, in a sort of specific location that I can tell you later, but the listeners to this show probably don't care about, except that you can see the Cleveland skyline pretty well from this like little like overhang thing. Area. Okay, and they have put up a sign that says, in sort of like a stylized curve, cursive. It just says Cleveland. It looks very nice. It's like it's not a flat sign with the word written on it. It's like the words are like individual like bits. Yeah. Okay. Does this I make you. any sense to you? you? Yeah. 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 Sort of. I think anyway, I can envision it. So I was walking up, and I noticed that, like, it was a permanent installation, but also that it was, like, brand new. Like, it has gone up in the last week, and listeners may recall, in the last week, Cleveland, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers won the NBA Finals, okay? Champions! Cleveland champions! champions. Uh, Listen, real talk, real talk, I am going to say that, I'm going to be talking about that all year. We were champions all year. You, Dave, you stay listen, the thing. I, I, I appreciate that. On the other hand, like we're still talking about Witcher 3 like a year and a half later. So maybe maybe we can find other things to like freshen up the uh, freshen up the old five stars. <laughs> so anyway, so there's this statue. There's this installation thing. Anyway, and so it occurs to me like, okay, this went up right after Cleveland won the finals, right? Yeah. So that oh, means, so you were assuming it means that one this of was... two things. Or so either they had this statue and were like, okay, 
It's like if Cleveland wins, we are going to put this thing up. Like we and are like, doing this. And if it hadn't won, like I just imagined them like slowly closing the door on the room where they store it <laughs> for another year. Because also last year Cleveland was in the NBA Finals. And That's like, right, we were. And like you know, we didn't win, but we, but we were there. You know, there was we a legitimate it. chance. And so I also thought, like, has this been sitting around for a year? Somebody just made the darn thing. Was like, okay, oh boy, we invested a lot of money in this thing. <laughs> just Cleveland hold on lost to it. We'll use it someday. So we're just gonna we're just gonna cross our fingers and hope that it is still in style by the time that Cleveland next has a chance at this thing. <laughs> and we did it. it. We're using now. we're using the thing. We got it. Uh, it's probably going to be up for a long time if you are ever in uh, Edgewater Park. It's I mean it's not super exciting. It's literally just the word Cleveland. But it was it was a thing that I did today. And as previously mentioned, we are short on stars. So having finally, Dave, finally gotten through so so many star segments this week, we're going to take a break. We're going to watch episode forty three, sneak into the commander's body, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 43, Sneak Into the Commander's Body. Dave, how'd you feel about this one? I tell you, man, uh, I thought it, hey, I thought it was a cool episode because it was a fun twist on a monster, which I thought was really neat. And it just, it didn't have to try real hard to be more fun than last episode. I was going to say, following the previous episode, like, this is a really nice palate cleanser. Yeah, man, as long as no robot children are dying in, like, loneliness and pain, like, I'm in pretty good shape. Yeah, so, okay, here here we go. Here's here's the episode, guys. <laughs> this is this is it. <laughs> we're, we're in the Viram dimension. Trans is walking around, and he says, soon. Excuse me, Matt, what? Emperor Tran- what? Emperor Transa. There you go. Sorry. So Emperor Transa is walking around. And uh, he stops and looks up into, like, the blackness and yes. says, soon, soon the strongest robot will be completed. It'll be stronger than Jedicris, and then then it will all win. And we get, like, this lightning flash in the Viram dimension, and you see the outline of this giant, very clearly evil robot. Yeah, it's super, there's no other way to say it, but that it's an evil silhouette. Like it's all curves, and I think the thing has horns, and it does have it does have glowing red eyes, which is kind of a dead giveaway. So it's got that, and we kind of zoom past Emperor Tranza, and we see the other three Vimeroom commanders come from around this corner, which I only mention specifically because I swear to you, we got that exact same shot past the exact same prop last episode. I feel like we've been seeing that a lot. Like, Emperor Transa is rolling around doing his thing, and then the other three are just as a unit lurking in the shadows. Oh, well, hey, wait, wait a minute. Maybe that prop, because it's like this weird, like, 2B thing that's just sitting there, but maybe the idea is that this is Emperor Transa's workshop, and so we are seeing this same shot, because they're just lurking outside the door, or whatever, of his evil laboratory, yeah, I guess? That makes a lot of sense. It's kind of hard to tell because there are no walls in the Viram dimension. Just none. There are doors not attached to anything. If you go through those doors, you will go someplace else, but there aren't any walls. So we see Radigat, and he sort of stomps off by himself, and he kind of leans over his shoulder, muttering darkly, 
And he says, if there is no other robot, like there's no Jet Icarus or Jet Garuda is the implication. He says, if there's no other robot, there will be no one for this other giant robot to fight. I, I think, and I think then I'll be, win. I mean, I, I could be mistaken. I thought what he said is if there are no Jetmen, then there will be no like there will be no use for this robot. Oh, maybe he it? does. But either either way, I feel like a giant killer robot would probably still be useful if your career goal is like interdimensional conqueror. I feel like giant murder robot is a good thing to have in your back pocket, regardless of whether the jetmen are there or not. Right. In fact, it would probably be more useful if there are no jetmen around. Yeah. Like no one, if the jetmen are gone, that's, there's nothing else that's going to challenge a giant robot. It's, it'll still be useful. Like, I recognize that Radigan is just sour graping here, but that's, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. That's still a useful murder bot. But so Radigan, Radigan's going another way, because clearly Emperor Trans is building a huge, gigantic robot, and Radigan is thinking different. He's going small this week. Evil things come in small packages. So what his monster is, is it's called Leech Drill. And I don't know. We just kind of zoom in and we just see it there. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait. Radigan has like this little glowy hand pyramid thing. Um, and I don't actually get the connection between the glowy hand pyramid and leech drill. Yeah, there is, but there clearly, is a dimension, or a re- clearly a connection between the two. Um, it is never really explained throughout the course of the episode, except that maybe that pyramid is like his control unit for leech drill or... Some it, kind like, of it's monitoring. a communicator or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, because when Leech Drill dies, sorry, spoilers, Leech Drill dies. When Leech Drill dies, this pyramid explodes. No, dude, it's so not there's even, obviously okay, we'll, we'll get to that much later in the yeah, episode. we'll get there. But the, he's got this glowy hand pyramid. It's it actually is kind of cool looking. So he's got Leech Drill, and Leech Drill just looks looks so stupid. Well, he looks like a leech, but he's, he's got just, like. Because you know how leeches don't have limbs? So, yeah. like, the body is just, like, this weird leech bug thing. It's a, yeah, it's a... <laughs> but, like, the angle at which they decided to put limbs on this thing is totally counterintuitive. Well, because they didn't turn it into, like, a leech person. It's just a leech. And then they gave it legs. And then it's got two drills sticking out just out of the flat front of it. It looks like Madonna... If you know what I'm saying, and it's just but they're drills. <laughs> it's it, it doesn't have it doesn't even have a face. It's just got like a stupid leech mouth. It's just it's a real dumb looking monster. But so we we go from there and we see Sky Camp and it's Re- Ryu and Raita working out and they've got coordinated workout suits like Ryu's in red, uh, Raita's in yellow. Yes, and Ryu is lifting weights. Raita is on an exercise bike. Apparently, even 43 episodes into this series, Raita's cardio is still garbage. Yeah, it's just, well, we don't know how long he's been on there, man. Maybe it's like mid-afternoon and this dude has been on that cardio bike literally all day. that's true, that's true. I'm willing to give him some degree of benefit of the doubt. So, they're sort of wondering, they're like, oh, I wonder where everybody is. And what we find out is that Guy and Kauri are having dinner with Kauri's parents. Kauri's parents are back from wherever they are, and I am sure, just absolutely convinced, that her parents are super, super stoked that Kauri is dating Guy. But we'll get to that in a minute. 
Yeah, so the chief walks in and says, hey, where is everybody? Ryu says, ah, yes, they're off having dinner with Kaori's parents. And, and chief Akko is, like, is someplace. Oh, you know what? Like, that's fine. You know, like, those two can have the afternoon. Like, it's so rare that they get this opportunity. Right. It'll be great for them to all meet, blah, 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 blah. Chief is super chill about it. Yeah. So Raito looks over and he says, he's like, you know, Chief, uh, this is sort of a weird question, but like, and Ryu sees what is about to happen. And I think that the Chief does too, but she's like letting Raito dig his own hole here. And Ryu goes to stop him, but he doesn't quite get there in time. And Raito says, Chief, like, what's up with your love life? You're so young and we never see you with anyone. And at this point, Ryu manages to, like, stuff a rag into Raito's mouth. And Chief comes back with the greatest line of this episode. Oh, dude. She comes back and says, the men who want to marry me are uncountable. <laughs> then Akko comes in with flowers and she's got this gigantic bouquet of red roses and she comes in and she says like there's a card and it says the sky camp whatever whatever and then they give us the chief's name which I wish I had written down because I'd never seen it before but the chief's name and the chief takes this giant bundle of roses and Raita and Ryu are looking on they're like wow check those roses out and the chief just says yeah this happens all the time. Which is This is amazing. not unusual Because I, I, I am choosing to believe that the chief is telling the absolute truth and this is not some sort of exaggeration to just get out of an awkward conversation. I like, see no reason why it wouldn't be true. Just like every day she's getting at least one giant bouquet of roses from admirers around the country. <laughs> um, and I hope they're all... Anyways, never mind. So these flowers arrive. Chief, like, blows it off. She's like, yeah, whatever. These, you know, I get flowers all the time. And there is a... We flash to the vibrant dimension. The pyramid glows for a second. We go back to Sky Camp. And as the chief is taking a deep whiff of these roses, she suddenly has, like... It just says a sharp pain or something in her head. Yeah, she and has she this kind momentary of collapse. Staggers. Yeah. yeah, she staggers. There we go. But then she gets up and she's like, no, 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 I'm fine. It's okay. Get back to whatever you're doing. I'm out of here. And she just walks off. Yeah. So we go from there to Kauri's place. And Kauri and Guy are sitting on one side of the table and Kauri's parents are on the other side of the table. And Kauri's parents are just asking all the standard kind of parent questions. Like, where are you from? And where did you go to school? And what do you do? And they are just asking Guy, because, you know, remember, Kyrie's like crazy. She's like Batman rich. Yeah. And so they're like, her parents so are Batman saying. Batman rich that we have at times in this show gotten confused and could not remember if her parents were dead. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, it turns out they actually are alive, obviously, because we're meeting them. And they are, I think the idea is that they've been overseas doing some sort of, business. you know, some business thing. And so they're asking, oh, are you a lawyer? Are you a doctor? You must be very elite if you're with Kauri. Because clearly Kauri would only be with someone who is, you know, like a super big deal. And so Guy, who's just sitting there squirming, and this is the first time in three episodes that we've seen him without a tuxedo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, which seems like a weird call. Like, now is the time this would for be him the to like, throw on that tuxedo. But no, he's just in his standard outfit. And he is well, just slamming back his glass of wine. Well, nobody else is. Nobody else is in a tux. So maybe, you know, he doesn't want to be overdressed. But so he's killing his glass of wine. And Kari's dad actually is like, hey, uh, slow down, dude. That's not a beer. That's blah, 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 blah. Like he named some what I assume is fancy wine. 
And Guy just like clearly is trying to be anywhere else. Right. So here is a weird thing. They keep asking Guy all of these questions, and Guy is obviously uncomfortable because they are assuming that he is some, he's like a Kauri-style person, and he isn't, uh, we know. But do Kauri's parents not know about the JET program? You know, she they must not, because like as the scene progresses, Guy says, like, I'm sorry, will you please excuse me? Gets up, just leaves. Kauri runs after him. He's just outside getting on his motorcycle like, I am officially done with this dinner. Goodbye. And (laughs) When he said, excuse me, I have to leave, he meant not like to the bathroom. Right. He meant forever. (laughs) (laughs) So he's getting on his bike and saying like, listen, clearly, like I can't stand your parents. Like they only care about like appearances and, you know, like material things. Like I just, I'm never going to make them happy. This is not my people. They're not, they're never going to like me. Um, and Kauri then says, like, I'm sure if we just explained, they would understand. Which means, I think, that she has never told her parents, like, A, who Guy is, or B, like, what has been going on in her life for the last 43 episodes. You know, man, I had assumed that when she said if we explained, like, the story of our love, they would get it. But I think you've got to be right that she has just not told her parents that she is a superhero. Right. It's like, no, no, no. Like, this is my friend from work. And by work, I mean, like, you know, punching giant monsters in the face. I do. The one question is, I mean, okay, let me rephrase that. I have a lot of questions about the Jetman universe. But one of the questions that I do have about the Jetman universe is how famous are the Jetman? I mean, they like, have in the to context of well their known. world. You would think. But when they show up on the scene, no one's ever like, oh my gosh, it's the jet. I mean, I guess they're busy running from a giant monster, so that makes sense. That's not like an autograph optimal time. Right. So so anyway, so the so Guy just leaves. He gets on his bike and he drives away. The next scene that we see is at Sky Camp and Guy and Kauri are there. And the chief, I don't remember if she just slaps them both in one fell swoop or if she kind of gets them separately, but she slaps Guy and Kauri just straight across the face. And says like, how dare you like skip out on training? I've scolded you before for your lack of discipline. She reaches down and grabs a glass of water and just splashes it on the both of them for like kind of no reason. So my vibe from this is that this is supposed to be some sort of like weird mind-controlled chief. The only problem is that chief is such like a slave driver anyways. It's a little bit, like this is not too far off. Right. The only reason this episode works is because it establishes in the first few minutes that chief is in a particularly good mood today. So that when she goes back to being like very cruel to them, it's like, oh, well, this is not, you know, this doesn't jive with them a few minutes ago. So clearly there has been a change. Because I am fairly certain that the chief has slapped the Jetman at least one other time just out of, like, frustration. Yeah. So, so anyway, so she says, you guys don't have enough discipline. You're not powerful enough to be warriors. So as of right now, I am instituting the Jetman power-up program. We're going to get you guys right. Yeah, so hand in your beak smashers and your bringer swords because I need to, like, level them up. I'm going to take your stuff. I'm going to take it into the shop. I'm going to, like, Skyrim style, just, like, sharpen that blade as sharp as it'll get. (laughs) 
And then she also says, the next thing we're going to do, once I've done, I'm done doing that, we are going to do endurance testing for your burdonic suits. So, like, get prepped there. So, what we go from there is, is that we kind of zoom in. And through the use of like a red liquidy camera effect, we are given to understand that Leech Drill is tiny and has somehow been inserted like into the chief. Like Leech Drill is inside her brain or something and is somehow controlling her actions. You know, the location of Leech Drill within the Chief and the corollary of what he is able to make happen, like, based on that location, uh, is very unclear and does not make any sense as this episode continues, especially Yeah, the I, he's, like, by her liver or something, but he's somehow exerting mind control. Like, whatever. So... I mean, he's an evil interdimensional, like leech monster with drill hands. I don't know why that is the thing that is like really messing me up for realism. Dude. I... Okay, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so, okay, sometimes we hit points in this show, Matt, where I sort of feel like I'm like, man, I should have something funny to say and I just stare into the void of Jetman and hope that something somewhere like makes some kind of sense that I can latch onto and then fire off a joke from there. And I just, just I just come back empty, sometimes man. Sometimes it's blank and there's nothing. Right. I just, I stare into that void and the void stares back and just says, what? This is, just let it wash over you. Just let it just wash over you. enjoy the moment. <laughs> so... The chief like goes and grabs their gear and she see we see her rather in like the workshop area. Okay, so she's doing something with, like a soldering iron and a screwdriver. And then we go to the quarry. Yes, and now it is time she is giving all their equipment back and they say this does not look any different than it did when we gave it to you yesterday. Um but okay, I guess you've done something I, to I it. I guess this is cool. And then so the chief says, "All right, now it is time to test your endurance training. Or we're going to test the endurance, like the armor value, I guess, of your suits. So I'm going to just like attack you guys and we'll see sort of how much you can handle. Right. Now, the way they, the way yeah. that she does this, uh, she, she has five crosses set up. Yeah. And they're on like, like a hinge. pedestal So like things. she presses a yeah. button and they all like lift up out of like their resting position. And for a moment, I just think like, well, these do look like crosses, but clearly, surely, like that's that not, is what, not is what they would happen. actually be. Uh, you may be able to guess from the tone of our voice that it is 100% what they are. So yeah, so, so they all like back up against these crosses and there are like individual kind of handcuff clasps. Yeah, the there's handcuff and footcuff clasps, and they are now, like, just clamped to these crosses, okay? The chief has, like, a, what is it, man, like a remote control thing? Yeah, it's a little remote control. It has, like, five buttons on it that are, like, indeterminately marked. One of them is red. And she just says, okay, now it is time for phase one of the testing. She presses one of the buttons, and huge arcs of blue electricity and explosions happen, and she's just blowing the heck out of the Jetman. <laughs> so Ryu's like, "Hey, Chief, this is a bit. This is a bit much. I don't know how much of this we can take." And then the Chief says, "All right, time to test the Beak Smasher." So she just shoots them with the Beak Smasher. Also, 
And then, like, as they are still reeling, Radigat just strolls up on them. And says something like, now I've got you, Jetman. And I'm, I'm pretty sure he says something like, I'll send you to hell from those crosses. Uh, he does mention something. specifically something about their crucifixion. Yeah, I'll send you to hell with this crucifixion, like, which is just... Just in case you did not realize like how much of a point they were putting on that one. Yeah, it was a weird moment. It was a weird moment. So, so anyways... Grittim soldiers arrive and just start like beating the heck out of the Jetmen who are trapped... The Jetmen are crying out to the chief, begging her to release them, but the chief is just, like, staring on blankly. Yeah, she is, which is actually kind of cool, because I think we get the vibe, of course, that, like, the Jetmen are also confused. They don't know what's happening. So Ryu kind of freaks out, and he just flexes super hard and brute forces his way out of these manacles, which was a cool moment. Do you know my little prompt? Can you guess my small problem with this, Matt? Um, no, I actually can't. Should have been Raita, man. Should have been Raita to like brute force his way, just crush out of these manacles. Okay, that, that would have been a, a good Raita moment. He's the one with super strength. I feel like we've been a little lacking on good Raita moments. Raita and Akko, I feel like, have been kind of underserved by this show recently. Yeah, that is true, which is a shame, because I really like both of them, particularly Raita. Like, I like Akko, but Raita is really cool. I feel like we're so kind of in the same position this year as we were last year, where near the end of the show, we realized that, like, Kazu and Rin had a lot of great episodes and great stuff, but, like, near the end of the ep- season, we realized, like, those two just did not get the focus that the other ones did. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they just, listen, man, they're slightly less, they're slightly less compelling. I like Raita and I like Akko a lot, but neither of them, I feel like, have the hook of Ryu or Guy or Kaori. Right. You know? So anyway, so Ryu brute forces his way. He just busts out of these manacles. He runs over. He takes the control from the chief. And the, like, whatever happens, the chief's spell is a little bit broken. And so the chief just runs. I think Ryu says like, just run, and so she runs. Yeah. Now, somehow, uh, Ryu knows, like, the four-button sequence to release the handcuffs on these crosses that he probably didn't know existed before this morning. Uh, But that's fine. So we uh, we get a quick fight scene. The Raita and Akko, or Kaori, I can't remember who, does the double kick. And the double kick is literally they're just on a wire swing that's invisible, but like they're clearly on a wire swing and they just sort of waggle their legs in front of them and yell double kick. It's the dumbest super move in this entire show. It's also kind of great. Um, (laughs) But like the fight is actually going really well for a few minutes until Ryu starts to square off against Radigat. And he's going back and forth, and at one point he draws his bringer sword, and he goes to hit Radicate with it. But instead of doing what you expected to do, which is like, you know, explosions and sparks as soon as he hits the dude in the chest, the bringer sword just bends in half, as though it is made out of like a very thin wire wrapped in foam. Which is, I mean, almost assuredly what it actually is in this actual case. And so he does that, and... He was completely confused. He jumps back. He says, all right, everybody, beak smashers. They pull out their beak smashers. And then when they try to fire them, predictably, backfires. Like all the beak smashers just explode. 
And then Radigat kills them all because, of course, their weapons have all been destroyed. They're completely at his mercy, and they and he has Chief on his side. They're surrounded by Grinham soldiers, and like they're pretty much done. So he no, no, kills no, all the no, dead Matt, men. Matt, Matt, Wait, you are you're remembering incorrectly. What actually happens is nothing. Oh, right, Radigat yeah. just leaves, and they go back to Sky Camp. Yeah, they just go back to Sky Camp. There's rules. Matt, the Viram commanders right. are interdimensional, like genocidal conquerors, but they respect the rules of engagement. Right, and the rules which of is, engagement are: as soon as you're about to win, you leave. You leave. You just go home and you have like a cup of tea. Because anything so they else go back would to be impolite. Right. So they go back to Sky Camp, and they are asking the chief a bunch of questions. They're so like, "What's going on? Are, Why does this seem to have happened?" They are reasonably concerned. <laughs> yeah. And so the chief says, listen, she completely ignores all of their questions, which again is a little bit par for the course for chief. Chief chief is one to just kind of make cryptic pronouncements. And so she says, you guys all need to turn in your cross changers. I'm going to make you new suits. Yeah, based on the data that I have just gathered from these exercises, I'm going to make you some new, better suits. Uh, Then you'll be able to beat the Viram. Hand in your cross changers immediately. So the, the... like they waver because now they're a little bit, mm, they're a little bit leery yeah, about the chief. They're pretty not into that, and they're they're trying to refuse. And chief just says like, "Okay, uh, well, if you're not going to do what I say, then I guess we can't work together anymore, and I'm out of here." So she goes to leave, and Ryu says he's like, "All right." So he takes off his cross changer, and he hands it to the chief. And so everybody else does. So now the chief has all the cross changers. We see her walk into like the hangar area, like where Jet Garuda and all the giant robots are. So she walks into the hangar area and she opens up. It just looks like a box and there's red light bulbs inside. I think we're supposed to understand that this is a super oven or something. Because she just tosses them in there and it glows red. Even, like, it glows red because we can see that there's red light bulbs in there. But the idea is like, ah, oh, red. Red equals heat. So this is going to melt down. And then Ryu runs in and he says, Chief, why are you destroying our cross changers? Okay, now, I, I got something here, Dave. Because first, now, okay, that's a valid question. It's a very, it's a valid, very question. valid question. But on the other hand, we have pretty well established throughout the course of this show that the... Cross changers can just be like destroyed and remade and like replaced with basically no trouble. Like those you know, things okay. have been busted and thrown in the trash and all sorts of things so many times that the fact that she is trying to break these particular five, it is as though those are the only ones left in the universe. And if they're destroyed, they will never be able to be the Jetman again. And it makes no sense to me. <laughs> okay, okay, Matt. What if? What if Ryu isn't worried that she's destroying these in particular? He just recognizes that that's a really weird thing to do. Oh, sure. Like, it's not the the cross changers themselves. It's just, why would she do that? And she's already been acting weird. So this is kind of the, the frosting on that weirdness cake. Oh, listen, absolutely. I'm just saying that for a piece of equipment that is so clearly replaceable... The stakes on this scene seem way too high. Okay. So Ryu runs in and he sort of asks the chief about this thing, like, what's going on? Why are you doing this? And we see the chief and clearly there is some sort of mental struggle that she's going through. 
She ultimately loses that struggle, and she turns around, and she's got crazy fright makeup on, which indicates, because that's what happens, and you get your mind controlled, you get fright makeup. Right, which is great, and then because she just, now the Jetmen can actually have a visual, visual indicator that the chief has gone bad, and they can do something about it. Yes, because until you get the makeup, right? Then, who knows? then the benefit of the doubt is in place. But once you have that evil makeup on, then they're it's allowed over. to punch you. Everybody knows that you're evil. So she, the chief, attacks Ryu. The other Jetmen run in, and they are kind of they realize what's happening, and so they stop the chief. And Ryu somehow. Oh no! Wait, this is later. Sorry, but. They're like, something must be going on with the chief. And, do you know, and Guy punches her in the stomach, which knocks her out for some reason. Well, okay, I, I was going to mention this. This is at least the third time in the course of this show that Guy has knocked a woman unconscious by punching her in the stomach. Yeah, it never makes any sense, though. And it's like, that's always not the place. Guy. It's always I, Guy. Why, okay. Guy. Why does Guy know how to punch a woman unconscious by hitting her in the stomach? Maybe it's this is like a special technique. I, okay, listen. I just said maybe this is a special technique he developed, but I don't want to contemplate why a guy has learned that special technique. But that is a like, bad why technique. is that a thing that you need to know how to do? But he does, so he knocks the chief out, and all my <laughs> my notes just say, please tell me you're getting Fantastic Voyage, which, which we do. We're about to. It's awesome. So... They have the chief in, we go back to like the lab or whatever, and it looks like the chief is in some sort of like MRI machine mm-hmm. thing, and they are trying to figure out what's going on, and they get a little readout, and what they find out is that there is biodimensional beast energy coming from the chief, and they conclude that this obviously is why the chief has been going so crazy. Ryu asks the same question that I asked, which is, how did Leech Drill actually get like what was the vector for him to get at the chief and it was the roses so when she took a big sniff of the roses that's how leech drill like it burrowed into her nose or something and then from there has has like done this thing so from their scan they find that leech drill is in her stomach you know yeah which is where you would think it would be if it's controlling her mind of course. Yeah, naturally. Of course. Where else would it be? It wouldn't be like up near her nose where it went in, which is right by her brain. It's obviously sitting like just to the left of her liver or something. No, don't be absurd. So, so we go to the Viram dimension, and what we see is Radigan, and he is sort of gloating to no one about the amazing masterstroke of his plan, which is that Drill Leech is l- like drawing energy off of the chief and using it to destroy her. Like, it's... It's generating cell-destroying energy or something. Yes. It's, it's actually never super clear. It's very vague. Because what we also are about to find out is that that, that cell-destroying energy that it's emitting is also the thing that is allowing it to remain tiny. I... Yeah. And so they're talking. That's sure what it means. And, and Ryu turns to Kaori and says, Hey, do you think that you could amplify that energy? And Kauri, who of course we've been, you know, we've established so many times in the course of this show, is like a real technological whiz and knows how to deal with this kind of stuff. Uh, she says, like, yeah, of course, I can amplify okay. this energy. There's no problem. Okay, hold on. I know exactly up, how to up. do that. I am the technological whiz of this team. I'm basically Billy. Hold on. I loved that moment. I thought it was awesome. 
Because, like, there's not even, so when Ryu is asking this question, there's not even a moment where he turns to look at anybody else on the team. He just looks directly at Kaori and says, Kaori, do you think that you can do this? And so what the, but we know, of course, that Kaori has been, at least in the past, completely technologically inept. And so when I saw that moment, I thought, I really dug it because it seems like a, character growth moment for Kaori. Kaori has realized that this is like a big gap in her education and off camera, she has just been hitting the books to the degree, because she does it, like she does exactly what Ryu asks her to do, to the degree that she has now kind of become, at least in this area, like the expert. Like she recognized that she was uh, lacking this team skill and so she went and got it. And I thought it was super rad, actually. Okay, you know what? I You have won me over. I think that's great. Because when okay. I was watching it, I just thought, like, what is happening here? Like, why would this even be a possibility? But I really like that explanation. Okay, so the, the she, like, hooks the chief up to this thing, and she builds, like, an energy redistributor gun in, man, I don't know a period of time. And so she says to the Jetman, she says, listen, this will work. Like I will be able to use this shrinky energy on you and get you into the chief's body. But you have got three minutes because it's super unstable because we don't really know what we're dealing with here. This isn't like Bradonic waves, which are like a known and quantifiable part of the universe and that everybody understands. Sure. We're dealing with crazy leech energy. So who knows? But like, I can guarantee that like you will be small for three minutes and then uh, you will not be small anymore. So you need to get the heck out of the chief's body because you are going in in Jet Icarus. And if Jet Icarus suddenly becomes full-sized while inside the chief's body, the chief's body will cease to exist. Well, I mean, it won't cease to exist. I mean, it it'll will just cease cover... to exist in that state. Yeah, I mean, it'll just cover a lot more volume than it's supposed to. I think will be the problem. So she has got this gun that absorbs the energy from the biodimensional beast, the drill leech, and it shoots it at Jet Icarus. By the way, I know we're never going to see this gun again. I just know that. That's a fact. Oh, sure. Never again are we going to see this magical beam device. But that seems like one that you would have wanted to keep around. Like you just built a gun that, that sucks biodimensional energy out of bio beasts. Nah. Just keep that guy. You don't even need Jet Icarus anymore. <laughs> Someone just shows up, just hit it with that gun. Game over. It's just a drill and a leech now. But anyways, so they she shrinks them down and they she shoots them into the chief's body and we we get a good closer look at Drill Leech. And this is actually my notes where it says Drill Leech is really stupid looking because it's the first time we see him just looking real stupid. Okay, Dave, I got a question for you real quick. Sure. Why did they go in in Jet Icarus? I'm not actually sure. Like, wouldn't it have made a lot more sense if they just went in all five of them separately and just didn't shrink them down, like, quite as much? Because the okay. only reason they get in Jet Icarus is to fight giant monsters, right? Because otherwise, they just yeah. fight the monsters on the ground. With this thing is not a giant monster. It is the opposite, Dave, of a giant monster. Okay, okay. And so they Here get we go. a giant robot and just shrink it like super extra so it is at scale with this really tiny monster. It makes very little sense to me. Okay, so here we go. 
the machine doesn't shoot like five individual beams and there's only enough energy for one like blast, right? Okay. And the blast itself it it's it's like a it's like a capacitor. Like all of the energy is going out in one shot. Like she can't dole it out, okay? So because all the energy is going to go out in one shot, the best option is for all of them together to get into Jet Icarus. And then they're all fighting as a unit, except Kauri, who stays human-sized. On the outside. That's all I got. Okay. On the other side. On the outside. Okay. That's what I got. Well headcanoned, Dave. Thank you, sir. Felt good. Felt good when I was saying it. So they go into her chief's, like ear or something they I don't just know. go in man they're, they're just, just there in there and they're fighting <sighs> they find uh leech drill pretty easily and they're fighting on what appears to be like a regular old like flat surface like the ground uh there is a <sighs> filter on the camera that makes it look like they're fighting inside like a big red lava lamp yeah no that, that works there's some sort of like liquidy, flowy thing going on. It's whatever. And, yeah, like so, you mentioned, this is totally like Fantastic Voyage, Osmosis Jones, that one episode of the Magic School Bus. Mm-hmm. 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 The Jimmy Center out, Dude. Um, I think they get out the same way that the Magic School Bus does. But anyways, do they? so it has been a very fighting, long time since I've seen that episode. I'm that's a that's kind of a guess on my part, but I think that's how it goes. So anyway, so they're fighting Drill Leech. They pull out the Perdonic Saber. They don't do like the big glowy attack, and I can only assume that they just don't want to unleash that degree of like coruscating power into the chief's body. I think that's probably for the best. Yeah, but so but without the energy blade aspect of the Perdonic Saber, it's just a sword and it's not doing a whole lot against Drill Leech. Yeah, okay? and so Drill Leech hits them a few times and kicks them. And then they just sort of fall from whatever, like, ambiguous part of their body that they had been in into what I guess is the stomach. Because they were in, That's, like, a green they, area now. And they're talking about acid. And they're, no, no, I think what they said they was gastric juices. Which oh, is that's right. Gastric juices, so you can say that. Yeah, it might be. And so they are actually being dissolved. Like, the chief is eating them because they got knocked into her stomach. And man, I'm not a doctor, but I am pretty sure that if you have a stomach perforation, like that's a really big problem. Like you cannot afford to have holes in your stomach leaking into the rest of your body because your stomach is legit filled with acid. Yep. Yes, it is. That's not cool. Not no, not even a little bit. But and uh, so that that is going to come up in this show again about as many times as that gun that Kauri just used. So okay. So anyways. So they are freaking out. They're like, we're dissolving. This is a really big problem. We've got 30 seconds left. They say, we got to get out of here. They launch backwards. Up into whatever area they previously had been in where Leech Drills is still there. And they start just grappling. And Kauri is on the outside giving them a countdown. Like, dudes, you have like 10 seconds to get out of this body. But they're grappling with this monster and it is draining their energy, so they sort of can't move it's enough a leech. to get out. All right, because it's a leech. So they can do it, and then we, we go to the outside, and we see Kauri, and the chief has, is crying a single tear, which I didn't even know was possible. I didn't know that the chief actually had human tear ducts that would permit her to weep tears, but she does, apparently. 
And so she... Kauri notices that and, and thinks like, ah, of course, this is what's happening. Um, grabs like well, a th- little like microscope slide. Yeah, although she's surprised at first. I think she's surprised at first for the same reason that I'm surprised that she's the chief can cry. Like, how is this what? even possible? How is this possible? But then she sort of figures out what's happening. She says, oh, she must be somehow subconsciously expelling these guys through her tears. Which, listen, again, this is why the location of those things in her body makes very little sense. Because then we cut inside her body, and the view that we get from the cockpit of Jet Icarus, it's as though they're being sucked down a whirlpool. Like, there's just swirling water, and then all of a sudden, they are outside. Well, it goes to blue, at least. It goes from red to, like, blue clear. So we at least have some sort of acknowledgement that something is happening. So they kind of exit the chief's body, and Kauri, this is awesome, she just runs outside with the slide in her hands. She's like, I gotta get these guys outside. We're just in the building, and they're gonna explode it if they are up here. Right. So she runs outside, and she they they just kind of zoom up out of the slide. There's like an energy thingy, and then it's Jet Icarus and grappling Drill Leech. And so... The good thing is that they are no longer in Chief's body, and she's now, like, safe from she's cool. exploding. The right. bad the- thing is that they are still grappling, and that this thing has almost sucked all the energy out of Jet Icarus. And in fact, as they continue to grapple, it sucks all of the energy out of Jet Icarus. Jet, Ic- Jet Icarus just collapses on the ground. Right. So Drill Leech is advancing, and then all of a sudden, like, off from out of nowhere, Jet Garuda tags in. And it took me a second. I was like, who is? Because we just saw Kauri, and we know the other Jetmen are in there. So who the heck is piloting Jet Garuda? And it's the best possible answer, because the chief is piloting Jet Garuda. So the chief is in Jet Garuda, and she just destroys Drill Leech. And she, remember, uh, was it two episodes ago, I was talking about like that maniac grin on her face as she was launching the robots when... Like the classic Jetmen got their stuff back from the Neo Jetmen. Yes, yeah. Like, it's the same. She has that look on her face the whole time. She is just so like thrilled and excited to be murdering this monster. It's amazing. Also, by the way, this does mean that the Chief by herself is a better giant robot pilot than all five of the Neo Jetmen put together. Yes, and since her argument against the Neo Jetmen was that like they have not actually been able to practice in the real giant robots. Right. The fact the simulators that simulators don't it now cut it. Means that like she has probably just been like late night when all of the Jetmen are asleep, just out in Jet Garuda, like running around and practicing her giant right, robots. Just logging those hours. So one of the best things about this is I really hope and it looks like she is. I just deeply, deeply hope that the actress who plays Chief is getting a giant kick out of doing this. Because she's never, you know, she doesn't do the piloting. I mean, obviously, it's just a prop thing. But I imagine that for her, it's super cool to to say, like, well, I'm not one of the Jetmen, but, like, I'm piloting Jet Garuda now because I'm the Chief. It was awesome. And so, like, the, so, the other Jetmen had fallen over in Jet Igris, and they are now coming to their senses. Like, they're regaining consciousness and oh by the way yes they have also gone out of their jetman forms they're just like in their yes. flight suits well because it drained all their bradonic energy right? right so they are they are getting as big of a kick of this 
out of this as we are. Right. Like, like they, they are it, also super it psyched. It takes them a few seconds to sort of clock what's going on. And then as soon as they realize that it's the chief, they're like, oh, yes. Amazing. Like, <laughs> so, okay. So the chief destroys Drill Leech. And then we go over to the Viram dimension and Tranza is making fun of, Emperor Tranza, sorry. Emperor Tranza is making fun of Radigat. He says, dude, like I get it. Like it's super cool that you're trying, but you are just a terminal screw up. Just stop. Just stop. It's never going to happen. I've got this giant robot. It's about to be over. Just leave it to me, buddy. Just leave it, dude. You dumb loser dummy. And then that's it. Well, that's we, what we got out of we, this episode. We get a little bit extra with uh, the Jetman and the Chief. Ryush says, like, ah, oh, that's the commander that we know. And the, the, the Chief says, like, yes, there is nothing scarier than an angry woman. And gives that, like, crazy <laughs> smile that. again. And I think she throws up a big she throws a big thumbs up. I didn't forget about that, but yeah. And that's pretty much the episode. So, Dave, what is your high point of the episode? Oh, man. Uh... I think my high point of this episode has got to be, I think it's the chief's rebuttal to Raita right at the very beginning when he says, I just, I never see you with anybody. What's up? And she just, and she drops, the men who want to marry me are uncountable, which is, I think it's the best rejoinder I've ever heard to that. It's like, I can't pick. There's too many. Yeah. There's too many men that are throwing themselves at my feet. But I only love the Jetman program and, and Justice. Right. I love Justice so much. Just so, so much. There's a line of men waiting around this building, all carrying bouquets of flowers just like this. She, just waiting. Waiting. I only admit one per day. She's like the Queen Elizabeth of Justice. It's amazing. <laughs> so uh, how about you, man? The high point of this episode? High point of the episode for me has got to be uh, the chief piloting Jet Garuda. It was so great. Glorious. And what about, Dave, your low point? Uh, if I have a low point, I think it's just that Drill Leech looks so unaccountably stupid. It's maybe the worst monster we've seen in Jetman so far, even including the weird mirror goblin thing. I think this is the worst monster yet. Yeah, it's a good episode, and he has like what they end up doing and it's with even, that monster is cool, but the it's look a, right, is it's so It's a cool bad. monster plan, but the look is so dumb and stupid. Uh, how about you, man? You got a low point for this episode? My low point is just because it confused me throughout the entire episode, what the nature of that little glowing pyramid that Radigat had was. Oh, yeah, that would because have been cool we if we got literally... Because we mentioned that thing broke, but it didn't anything. break when um, Leech Drill was killed. It broke when Leech Drill like grew to full size after getting pulled out of the chief's body. Which does not seem right. like like it was still like in that moment it was still absorbing energy and winning the fight, and then yeah, the dude, thing exploded. Like that prop made zero sense, and I have watched that episode now twice this weekend, and I still do not know what the heck is up with that. <laughs> um, right on, man. All right. Well, I think I think that's it for us, yep, right? That is going to do it for another episode of The Jetman with a Golden Gun. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out what we're talking about on Twitter, we are at supersentaibros. If you like the show, please remember, shutting in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help new people find the show, or so people have told me. The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we will see you next week.